0: hey ladies welcome to rough girl turned redeemed a podcast where real raw and relevant truths on faith marriage and motherhood are discussed i'm your host stephanie holbrook just another rough girl turned redeemed let's jump in hey ladies i'm so excited to share ellie we have bright blue stone. Um, she's got some wonderful insight for us, and I think it's something that actually we would be surprised, but a majority of us actually have struggled with it in the past. We know somebody who struggled with it, so this is a super interesting conversation. So I hope you'll tune in, and we'll go ahead and get started. You also are a writer, and you write over at Hold on, let me. I don't want to mess it up. Blue, bright blue stone. Okay, yes, correct? Bright blue stone. <laughs> yep, that's right. Awesome. Okay, so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh you're a rider, you're a
1: mama, you're a wife. Give it to us. Yeah, so rider, mom, wife. Those are probably my three biggest. Um, I love outdoorsy type stuff. I'm a big runner, trail running. Um, I live in the Midwest and a very cold part of the country. So right now I'm I'm living in the, the tundra. Um, but yeah, I I Mostly, my biggest passions involve my family, involve God, and involve words. Absolutely. And, and beautiful words at that. You do such a great
0: job. You're definitely, definitely gifted by the Lord on that. Um, I do want to say this, though. Uh, your little boy is precious. Oh. He is <laughs> so adorable. But I, oh, I want to know, okay, so you... It, from looking at your Facebook, it says that you studied dietitian and nutrition, right? Uh-huh, Dietics dietetics yep. and nutrition. Okay. So how how did writing come in with all of that? Like, when did you when did it first you know when did you first realize, hey, you know, I think I kind of have a way with words.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so yeah. In college, I studied um, dietetics and nutrition, so my degree is in dietetics. When I graduated college, I was kind of at a crossroads um, with a degree in dietetics, you have to do an internship before you can be registered to actually practice um, like in a, in a hospital setting. Um, and I was trying, a, a, for some reason, a, an internship didn't feel quite right even though that was the very logical next step. And so I started exploring other options while also applying for different internships and I found a company called Anasazi, which is wilderness therapy. Um, it's a inpatient treatment option for teenagers and young adults, where you go out backpacking in the wilderness. Anyways, I came across that that um, organization and it really stuck out to me. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna apply for a job there too. And long story short, I ended up working there for about six months, um, guiding these backpacking tours. And while I was doing that, I started writing in my journal every night um, because um, I needed to do night watch and I needed to keep myself awake. So I would write and then every um, when I would get home from an expedition with the kids, I would write home to my family and share with them everything that I wrote in my journal. And people started telling me, you know, this is really good. Like, I really like what you're Writing here, it's really resonating with me, and so that's when I kind of decided, well, maybe writing's one of my gifts, and I started kind of exploring it more after that. Oh my gosh, I love like
0: I honestly, I think that might that might be like my dream job because I'm with you, like I love all things nature, like. That's where I just feel real close to the Lord is when I'm outside and nature mm-hmm. walking and everything. And that just sounds like so much fun, but I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of a scaredy cat as my son says, <laughs> um, when it comes to the dark,
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I can do it in the dark. It gets real dark <laughs> so, at night out so there.
0: You, oh, I, I can only imagine, but I bet the sky is absolutely beautiful. So it is, yeah. you, you realize that you've got this way with words
1: and so you start, when did you start Bright Blue Stone? So that, well, actually, Bright Blue Stone, when you work at Anasazi or when you're a patient there, they, um, we gift each other names. So we don't really go by our name, you know, our given name. We use these gifted names that we give to each other. And the name that was gifted to me was like Bright an Blue Indian. Stone. Yep. Yeah. And it's, gotcha. it's an Indian, um, it's, they use Native American, like, principles for the organization. So anyways, oh. that was the name I was given bright blue stone. And since my writing kind of started while I worked there, then when I made my blog, initially, I just made it bright blue stone, because mostly what I was talking about was working at Anasazi. Ah, oh, I love
0: it. So tell us a little bit about what was what was college like for you? Because you go in, you had this one idea, and then it
1: flips. Yeah. So tell us a
0: little bit about what college was like. Like You know,
1: college was a really interesting experience for me. I went to college in Utah um, and I am originally from South Dakota. So it was very far away from home. Um, and I struggled in college a lot with um, loneliness and like some anxiety, some depression, a lot of social anxiety. And so I had a hard time, um, a hard time like breaking out of my shell and I had a hard time making I mean, I had some good I had some really good friends, so I don't want to say I had a hard time making friends, but I just was never very comfortable in my own skin when I was in college. Um, And I also went to a university um, that was um, they had an honor code. And so you you had to sign the honor code to go to the university and there was no drinking and no um, drugs. You know, obviously, all the all the things that people get into trouble with in college, they really weren't tolerated on the campus I went to. And going into college, I was already kind of struggling a little bit um, with my alcohol intake. And then um, as I went to this university where no one drank and it was a um, very taboo topic, I almost kind of started struggling with it more because it became um, a very shameful thing for me. So college really honestly wasn't an extremely positive experience for me.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because for me, like co- I'm a, I am the child of two alcohol And addict parents. Like, they were both alcoholics and uh, addicts. So, but when you said the social anxiety part, it just, it throws me back. Because I know with my parents, I mean, they couldn't do a birthday party for us. They couldn't go to family functions. They needed that drink Mm -hmm. as a sense of courage. And so, tell us a little bit. Now, you said that you, you, you started struggling before you even made it to college. So, what... What did that, what did drinking look like for you? Yeah. When you you first started, what did that look like?
1: So, I I mean, I, I, in the state I live in, I'm I'm from kind of a smaller town. Um, It's very common for young teenagers to start drinking. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but it's like that where I live. Um and so of I course, think it's the South girl because <laughs> at yeah. mama we were
0: there's a a nights cuz I was laying out the field dying from alcohol. So, yeah go ahead that
1: uh-huh. that's that thing that's before <laughs> Uh-huh yeah so yeah I, I mean I started um curiosity got the best of me and I gave it a try when I was pretty young um and you know at the beginning it was just kind of a novelty thing and like it was fun fun when you're a young teenager and then as I started getting into my later high school years, I kind of started to notice that my experiences with alcohol were was very different from my friends. And um, it was almost like, you know, I, I liked it so much more. And I felt like I was always the one who was, you know, suggesting that maybe, oh, are we going to, should we, you know, drink tonight? Should we do, do this tonight? And um, and I was, you know, always, always um, getting you know, drinking more than other people. And so I really, I noticed it from from a young age that my relationship with alcohol was different than other people's. And I especially would use it as a crutch, like you said, with the social anxiety. Um It would help me to not feel so anxious around other people. Like you said, with your parents, same type of thing. So you go to school and at this school, you're not supposed to drink. Yeah, very so unique how- college.
0: Yeah, right. Oh gosh, that's where I want my kids to go. <laughs> so tell me, like, how how did you work around that? Because I imagine, I mean, you had there's always there's a snitch everywhere. You know what I'm saying, oh, yeah. baby? There's a snitch everywhere you go. <laughs> so I
1: know, yeah. How did you like <laughs> a, a, avoid that? Um, you know, I would say first of all, I really did not um consume very much alcohol during the school year, um it wasn't, you know, I'm, I wasn't like the type of person that was drunk all the time. I really limited it. Um, and it was, you know, obviously you, ha- you had to be careful, but it then it even created even more shame and more reason to drink because you feel so shameful that you're doing this somewhere where you shouldn't be doing it. And you've signed the honor code, you're breaking your word. And I want to be an honest, good person, you know? Um, and so, I would, you know, I was careful, I guess, which I feel bad even, t- you know, saying that now, but I, um, I just, it was something that I just couldn't kick. And during the summers when the school year was out is when I would really kind of go crazy with it. So
0: let me ask you this during all of that, would you say that you had a relationship with Christ? Like when, like when, when did you give your life to Christ? Yeah. And so then, that like was that before or during?
1: That was I, you know, throughout the, all those years when I was struggling with it, I I always felt Christ in my life and I always um would feel his light and it would come, you know, in little bursts, and I would have mm-hmm. these moments of clarity. Um, and it I would, you know, really want to be better. And he was with me through the whole thing, but it wasn't until I just cold turkey stopped with the alcohol that I really opened up and let Christ into my life and really um, started to let his hand guide me. At what point
0: did you say, okay, I need to stop. Like this is, this is not healthy. Yeah. At, at where, where did that happen and what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So there was, I would say there was probably two or three times before I finally quit for good that um, my drinking would reach a point where I was, I was drinking by myself, you know, and I knew that it was not good. It was not a good situation. So I would quit and then I would start again. But then um, I met my husband, my now husband, I mean, he wasn't my husband when I met him, obviously, but I, when I met him, and as our relationship started to get more serious, um, and as we started to contemplate, like getting married and having those conversations about having children, um, I really sat back and thought, okay, well, if I'm going to get married, and if I'm going to start a family, is this how I'm going to be? Am I going to be the mom that, you know, is always is drinking wine every night and drinking a few too many glasses? Is that is that how I want to be as a wife and a mom? And it was, a mm. you know, at that point, I decided, no, it's not that's not how I want to be. And I have el- other alcoholics in my family, not in my immediate family, but in my extended family, and I've watched it destroy their families. And so um, as I started to get serious about getting married That's that was my reality check when it's time to quit
0: saying it's it's so it's so you know interesting that you say that because right now we are we are parenting in this society where the memes and and the gifs and everything it's always oh you need a glass of wine at the end of the day you know like it's it's Mm -hmm. not saying you know that wine is that I'm not getting over on that rabbit trail, you know? So, so if you want to PM me, you, you just PM me. This is for the <laughs> listeners. I know you're not going to me, Ellie. <laughs> but you know, we do that. Like, and my thing is, is Satan knows what, I mean, this isn't new to him. This is the mm-hmm. same. He's playing the same tricks on us that he has this whole time. So just like you said, Oh, glass of wine every night. well, I mean, I have a friend whose mom, it started with just a glass of wine and then it became a box of wine and then mm-hmm. it became 10 boxes of wine, You know what I'm saying? So it always starts somewhere. And then even then, you know, like you said, you didn't have immediate family, but you had extended family where you had seen the damage that could have been done. And my thing is I personally, I don't drink in front of, if, if I do drink, I don't do it in front of my children. Um, and honestly, I don't even really do it to where anybody would know I was drinking because of the mere fact, I don't know what their, you know, what their stumbling blocks are, you know, and I don't want to be that stumbling block. I don't want anybody to look at me and say, okay, well, Stephanie drinks, So drinking is okay, you know, and then spiral out of control, you know, especially coming from my past, uh, you know, growing up with alcoholic parents. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. How and and with, like I said, with the society we live in right now, what is that like for you being around, you know, a group of women or being around friends or, or anything like that where
1: they may take in? Do they know your past? You know, it's not something I really talk about very often with people, and so especially newer friends that I have made since becoming a mom, you know, different mom friends, they definitely don't know, um, about my past, and I. I don't really, I I just tell people that I don't drink. If it gets offered to me, I just, I don't drink. And if they want to know more details, I'll explain it to them. Um, and I have, you know, for me personally, I have no problem being in settings where people drink because I know like everyone, you know, almost everyone drinks. There's not very many people who don't. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I will say that I agree with you that it's a very slippery slope for some people. I think certain people have a more tendency towards alcoholic behaviors and um I do wish sometimes that we lived in a world where it wasn't so socially acceptable and it wasn't a part of every single social situation that you go to because that's really how it is
0: yes Um, yes could you share with our listeners what you would do in a certain situation for example I know for me, whenever I, you know, first became a mother, like, I, well, <laughs> I was a teen whenever I first became a mother. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was still illegal for me to drink when I first became a mother. But uh, whenever, you know, you go out, you try to make friends, you try to make that connection and stuff. And then they are, you know, drinking or something like that. Like, what does that I know you said that you're just like, oh, no, I don't drink. But like, do you invite them to do something besides going out for dinner? Or, you know, like, how do, how how would a mother who wants to err on the side of caution, she but she wants to make friends, but she doesn't want to, you know, have to be put in that situation where she might say, you know, nah, you know I don't really want to do all that. I don't really want to partake in that. What is a way that she could make friends without that possibly being something that happens?
1: Yeah, well, I would say first and foremost, like, just be honest, I guess, if it's something you're really struggling with, like I have, um, you're if a true friend will want to support you and will want to help you. And so as you're trying to meet friends, find, find the people who have no problem with you being sober and who want to do things with you that don't involve, involve alcohol. And I feel like I've found lots of friends like that who they, they drink, but, um, we do stuff together that doesn't involve alcohol. And a lot of times it's stuff during the day, if you don't work or if you do work, you know, just, just find friends that are supportive of you. That would be my biggest piece of advice because if there, if you have friends that can't hang out with you without alcohol, then maybe they're not that great of friends because they, they clearly don't care about you in that sense.
0: Now, does your husband drink or, or no? Like, neither one of y'all, y'all are just kind of like, no, not for us.
1: Yeah, you know, when I stopped drinking, when, uh, when we were still dating, and then as we got engaged, um, he also just quit drinking. And he has, he, it, alcohol was never something that was a problem for him. And so he had no problem just stopping, discontinuing doing it. He doesn't need his, you know, can of beer at the end of the day, he's fine. And he also actually um has an alcoholic in his family that um, that that has caused him to also have a kind of a negative view of alcohol.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- there's one thing I know. I've never met a person who can who said alcohol made my life better. I've never mm-hmm. met a person to say that.
1: Like you just said you, you've never met someone that says alcohol has brought good to their life and I just read something recently online that said something along those same lines. It's um someone was talking about their choice to quit drinking as well. And they were talking about how, you know, you can make all these lists of reasons why you wanna drink or reasons why you don't wanna drink. And there's really no, there's nothing good that it's going to bring into your life. And if um, you feel like you're questioning whether or not your consumption of alcohol is normal, just the fact that you're questioning it should probably tell you that maybe it's time to reevaluate and just think about if it's bringing you any good or if it's not, and then make your decision. But yeah, I agree with Ooh, that, that, that. That, that was the question. That was the
0: question I, that I, that slipped my mind because I mean, of course we can all think of, you know, some people in our lives, whether they be acquaintances, acquaintances or friends or family members, you know, we can all think of someone in our lives that struggle but they don't necessarily haven't realized that themselves. So what would be some kind of, you know, self reflection, you know, that they could do like you just said, if you're questioning it, well then there you go. But what if they're not questioning it? What is something that maybe one of our listeners, she doesn't think she has a drinking problem. What is something though that could make her go, okay, well, I do do that, you know. Like that is something that I struggle with.
1: Yeah, I think you know everyone probably has a different opinion about it. But for me personally, the first thing I noticed in my journey to discover that I shouldn't be drinking alcohol was that um, my relationship with with alcohol was so different than the people around me, and I was always drinking to the point of getting drunk. And I would look around me, and everyone else, you know, was still just slowly drinking their first glass of wine. So I would say the first thing would be if you're regularly getting drunk, I don't think that that's necessarily normal. Um, And that maybe it would be time to reflect on that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So is there anything else that you would
0: like to share? Uh, Anything that they, you know, are any resources or anything like that that maybe our listeners could could go and check out? Yeah, well, I would say...
1: I do want to I want to say one thing is that for me, um, the decision to quit, quit drinking and to um, now not have drinking for, I think, I don't know, it's been like four years since I've had a drink um, has been largely rooted in my faith and my desire to um, fulfill God's will for me. And I think that he is the one who um, has sustained me through all this time and um, helped me to do good in the world that I could not be doing if I was still regularly drinking. Um, and so I think that faith is, if you, if you're struggling, if you know someone who's struggling, God is the only person who can help you and who can, um, change your heart and change your addictive behavior ultimately. And so I think that for me, my, the biggest thing that has, um, carried me through is him um and then also obviously absolutely yeah um and uh finding um besides god being your ultimate confidant finding other people um to help support you you need a support system and you need friends and family or whoever it is to be with you on the journey god and friends that's Yes, that's what I was just about to say. I know uh,
0: with accountability, accountability helped tremendously with my mom and, and dad getting sober. And I know my dad, bless his heart, he would, I mean, he's always been a hard worker, but when he was really like in the first year of of putting the bottle down, like really getting clean and sober and no more drugs, no more alcohol, like he told me, he said, I because he was just working. I mean, he's always been a hard worker, but he was working like extra. And I was like, daddy, you were going to work yourself to death. And he said, no, I've just, I've got to stay busy. Like he, he, that's, he filled that time where he would have been, he would have spent it drinking or, or smoking a blunt or anything like that. Like he, he filled it doing something productive. And I think that, I think that could help, you know, with anybody. Like if you're, struggling with anything, whether it be alcoholism or, you know, negative self-feed or something instead of just sitting there and, and and just trying to strong arm it, find something productive to do, you know, go for a walk, spend time with family and friends, read a book, you know, paint a picture, feel that time that you normally would have felt it, you know, with, with, the negative things fill it with with something good and wholesome well ellie i thank you so much for coming on um i definitely want to have you back on so we can talk a little bit more about bright blue star or stone because i just love that (laughs) bright blue stone like i'm like oh that's (laughs) just so nice (laughs) i'm gonna go back and rename (laughs) myself again (laughs) Uh, but i thank you so much and um for my listeners if you if you haven't gone and followed ellie please go and do so her work her Her words are just so encouraging and thought-provoking. And so thank you again, Ellie, and I hope to see you back soon. Yes, thank you. All right, ladies, that was another episode of Rough Girl Turn Redeemed. I can't wait to see y'all back next Tuesday for another great episode. Until then, ladies.